You're listening to Radio Free Brooklyn, independent, listener-supported radio. I'm back, back in the New York blue. Sometimes when you win, you really lose. And sometimes when you lose, you really win. And sometimes when you win or lose, you actually tie. And sometimes when you tie, you actually win or lose. I hate it when you talk like that. It makes me crazy when you talk like that. Winning and losing is all one big organic globule from which one extracts what one needs. Brian. Scott. Now, wiser words were never spoken by Rosie Perez. (laughs) She is a sage. She is. You know that, uh, so my wife is herself, she's Puerto Rican. And uh, Rosie Perez was one of her uh, childhood idols as, as a kid. No way. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. I, I was, I'm an admirer of Rosie Perez. Yeah, probably in that movie. for different... She never looked better than in that movie. Right. Well, exactly. I think you're, yeah. a, you're a fan of Rosie Perez for maybe different reasons than Nicole was. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. I think Rosie Perez in White Men Can't Jump is a formative, a formative sexual experience, I would say. Agreed. 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 <laughs> Uh, but now that was important that one was like okay something is happening yes (laughs) the right age you know probably exciting hitting a soft spot for rosie perez well and now we can appreciate her for entirely different reasons for her wisdom right for her wisdom her great great wisdom and you know maybe never more uh appropriate fitting words yeah that per- it really does perfectly describe my emotions about the outcome of sunday's game right. right was that even a win i know they technically was a victory did they in fact win and like what's driving me nuts too you know i would say that probably the most common thing you hear people say about twitter when they're not actually on twitter is how they like to be off of twitter because it's such a toxic place and they have to get away from the negativity. I felt that on Sunday I had to get off Twitter because I couldn't handle the positivity anymore. Right. Yeah, yeah. I know. I feel like it like lectured that like let them enjoy the win. Why? What was there was just nothing positive about that performance. Right. Like there's really nothing you left being like, well, I mean it was nice to win, I guess. I was happy a little bit for Joe Judge that he got, you know, maybe he enjoyed his dinner that night, <laughs> but like it there's nothing positive to take you know we just yeah now like we made it more difficult i hate being in this position of being one of these people because i hate these people but it is um, the sad reality that you're just now making it that much harder to get the number one pick and totally transform the franchise and you know I don't know. I don't know what else to take away from it. Well, it's also too it's not like we smacked them around. Like we actually pulled that one out of our backsides there. I, you know, right. that was just almost luck, I guess. I don't know what you want to call yeah, that. Not even luck, but at the end, like, right, we were hanging on for dear life against, like, a horrible team who played terribly. You know, like, there was nothing impressive about the Redskins. No. <laughs> or, excuse me, the Washington football right, team. I right. Use those. The slurs. Um, and uh, wait, they should call themselves the slurs. That would be a good thing. <laughs> <laughs> Um, you know, I mean, I was, did find myself thinking like, what are they doing? You know, like you hear Ron Rivera kind of explain what, you know, 
like Dwayne Haskins should be playing. It's absurd. He, he's better than that guy for sure. Yeah. And if the argument you're trying to make is that this guy is more prepared or knows your system better, does he? I mean, he looked totally. I mean, he made a couple of horrendous decisions. Like he was terrible. Put Dwayne Haskins in. I don't even get that. Well, right. I mean, I guess like it because it's also just as fair to ask the football team what are your what's your goal here? What outcome are you seeking right now? By so. Kyle Allen is better than Dwayne Haskins, so you're going to play Dwayne Haskins. But Kyle Allen is not your answer. So what are you doing? Right. What are you trying to accomplish? Yeah. Like, trying to win this watered down East? Like, you can't even beat the Giants. Right. (laughs) But also, then what? So then, you know, you're not in the mix for the number one pick because you're trying to win games. And so then, who are you moving forward? You're moving forward with Kyle Allen? Or are you going to give Dwayne Haskins another chance at some point? Like, what's the plan here? Yeah. No, right. And, you know, to me, Ron Rivera, like, you're supposed to come in to sort of fix all this and get the thing pointed in a direction. Right. I mean, what do they even have? I mean, God, as depressing as the Giants are, like, what are you turning? If you turned on that Washington game, you're a Washington football fan. What are you even like Chase Young? I guess you know you're excited about, but otherwise, like what are you, you're like? What are we doing? <laughs> right, all right. I mean, at least our quarterback is the best. At least the quarterback we drafted in that draft is the best one we have on the team. Right, <laughs> that plays. Right. I mean, God or he plays. And there's some hope that maybe he's good. Uh, but to me, like Dwayne Haskins would still give you that. I've watched enough of him. Like he's not impressed. He's been bad, but he does enough things where I would say if I was a Washington fan, like, okay, you know, he makes a couple big throws. He's got a big arm. Like at least, at least he gives you, you know, there's some value into improving him, seeing if he's going to be good. Putting Kyle Allen out there is it just to like, I don't know, just depress everybody and just make everybody miserable? Like, what is the, I don't get it. <laughs> no, not at all. I, I guess, you know, also, too, they have a good deep. Like, they have more to build on, it feels like, than we do in some ways. They have a good defense. They have le- two. Le- they have a couple of really talented players, two legit pass rushers. I mean, yeah. you know, if, if – but if you're still going to be this bad and you have a chance to add Trevor Lawrence, what would you even try to win for? What are you doing, right. especially if you hate Haskins? Right. But, and then theoretically, Haskins gives you the best of both worlds because he, he, you're still going to lose, right. but you get to like see if he's got anything. Yeah. And then you learn if he does or he doesn't. And I know he, you know, he, he said, well, we've evaluated him. He feels he's seen all he needs to see. But I mean, so what? I've seen all I need to see of Kyle Allen, too. Right. Like, I don't need, you know, 11 more games of that guy. So I don't, I don't, I don't understand and also, what Washington is doing. If you'd want to draft a quarterback, which they should if they don't like Haskins, don't you want to at least try and build up some value for Haskins to get rid of him? Right. Yeah, if you're going to move on from him anyway. Yeah. Yeah, maybe put a little something on tape, and then, yeah, we could get a second-round, third-round pick for him. Um, I mean, I don't think you get that much probably at this point, but something. Right. I mean, two, like, two years ago, the guy, everyone thought he was the best quarterback in the draft, or a lot of people did, yeah. you know? I mean, this is actually – I have to I, – I don't, I don't – I mean – I'm going to assume this is on purpose on your part, but I I admire your wizardry, Brian, because we started out now with talking about how poorly run the Redskins are. And now I'm starting to be like, oh, okay, it's not just us then. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Maybe we've got some things to build on. Because one thing I forgot, too, ESPN uh, put up this article today that I read about um, 
you know, it's like an early article already about the teams that are probably going to move on from their head coaches this year and teams that are in the mix for GMs. And I was reading it to see like what they might say about the Giants GM situation. And just sort of a throwaway line in the article was like, oh, and the Redskins finally need to hire a GM. And I forgot, like, they didn't even have a GM. Like, right. what are you guys doing? What are you doing? What is going on over there? I feel so bad for Haskins, too. Like, it just seems so weird to me that he was a high draft pick. He was everybody expected him to be a first round pick. And he goes to this place and seemingly immediately everybody there has hated him the whole time. And like instantly, like he gets drafted and Jay Gruden like was it didn't seem to be on board. He didn't like him. And you're just like, why am I here? Why why did you guys bring me here if nobody likes me? It must be the weirdest feeling to like walk around the building, like, why do I feel <laughs> Like, no one likes me here. They picked me. I could have gone somewhere else. Like, I, it's just so weird. Well, you know he went to high school with uh, Daniel Snyder's uh, son. Oh, okay. So I guess they're friends. <laughs> well, right. But that's also probably contributes to why everybody hates him. Right. Yeah, you maybe. Know? I guess so. Like, yeah. oh, you're with them. Right. You're one of Snyder's guys. Yeah. That's why you're – and you stink. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I'm no, I'm not going to die on the Dwayne Haskins hill, but to me, he's got some potential that I would. I, I, it's certainly worth rolling him out there rather than watching what they're doing. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. It's either Kyle Allen being terrible or Alex Smith terrifying everybody that he's a play away from <laughs> catastrophic injury. Yeah, like just never walking again. Yeah. Right. Either terribleness or just human suffering on a terrible scale. I don't know. <laughs> But, you know, I guess as much as it is nice to watch a team and be like, okay, well, they're worse than us and they maybe are even directionless than us. Like, I don't even know what to say about the Giants because (laughs) everything's this. There's just nothing we could keep. Like I could go out and Jason Garrett was terrible and he's (laughs) has a terrible offense and he's bad and. Daniel Jones is like shows you a few things, but it's mostly been bad. And Joe Judge, I think, has some hope, but is not doing anything impressive. And the defense is whatever. But it's just like we talk about the same stuff every game. Like every game is exactly yeah. the same. Um, so, so I don't know. So you're saying that uh, Jason Garrett's trick plays have not uh, they, won you <laughs> over the last couple weeks. No. no. No, they're so ham-fisted, you know? It's like, aha, a reverse. You know, I don't know. There's no, like, design to them. It's just, and there's no, like, flow to when they happen. Or they're not, you're never like, oh, we've been setting them up with that. It's just like, how about a trick play? Yeah. (laughs) And they're literally the only two trick plays that were, you could use or you could run on Super Tech Mobile. Right. The reverse and the flea flicker are the two I trick plays. Like, he, like, I feel like the call is like trick play number three. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah. Or like razzle dazzle. <laughs> <laughs> like there's no sense that this is part of some strategy or that he's seen something in the other team and that he's responding to. Like, I don't know. Well, it was also kind of funny because the first play of the game – was some sort of play action off of a counter play that they ran maybe 25 times against the, against the Cowboys the week before. And then they open the game against the Redskins with play action off of that counter play. And, you know, Mark Schlereth made note of it in the broadcast, and it was like, oh, okay, we set this up. We used the prior game to set up this play 
But then after that, that was right. it. That was the whole – that was like we used all of the Dallas game to set up the opening play <laughs> in the Washington game. And it was like, whoo. Right. There we go. Yeah, okay, there we go. And it all it paid off. Right. <laughs> I don't know. Right. I just Do you really use like previous game? I know you kind of do. Like you want to like play off tendencies you've established to fool teams, but it does seem right. I don't want to like use a previous game like during that game are you thinking like no, you know, but, this isn't going to work today, but I'll tell you, two weeks from now, we are going to really blow the doors off the, off the Washington. <laughs> I sort of just picture it as they're in a staff meeting and Joe Judge is like, hey, Jason, uh, noticed we ran a lot of counters this week, maybe five right. times a series. I think we should come up with something off of that for next week. Right. Maybe we should do something with that. That might yeah. be helpful. You know, and, right. and Garrett's like, oh, gotcha. Yeah. First play. I know, but that's the thing. It's like, it is so hard to get it. Like, I want to be excited about Judge, but it, he's, this is his team, you know? I mean, and this offense is such a slog. Like, it's just, it's so, um, I, I know, I, maybe I mentioned this before, but it sounds like someone, I saw someone, I'm stealing this from someone, I'm not going to credit them, but who said that it's Jason Garrett's offense is like, designed to get 10 yards in three plays yes and it's so true you know like it is methodically take it down the field get a lot of first downs but you know and that's why i think we struggle in the red zone and we don't get big plays and it's just like and i think it's by design like i do think he 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 believes in possessing the ball and to me, it's just all revealing why the Cowboys underachieved as much as they did. You know, is this philosophy, like, he just did not maximize talent he has, and it's a really conservative ideology that he has. And it's terrible. Yeah. No, I think you're exactly right, too, where it's just like he's living in his fears, where, you know, don't turn the ball over. Let's not, you know. You're right. Just nothing. No risk. But I guess it's also, it's more than that because it's also just no creativity. And again, back to the trick plays. It's like, those aren't, those are from Super Tecmo Bowl. There's no creativity. There's no, like, or he maxed out his creativity on play one of the game. Like, yeah, I just yeah, don't think he's just, it's it's not just that he's really conservative. It's also that he's not even like, and, you know, this is what's funny too when you're talking about the connection to Judge. But, you know, I don't think that, He's detail-oriented enough. Not every trick play – like, there are a lot of times where the 49ers run something that seems like a trick play, but it's really not. It's just, like, a lot of motion and then a classic power-off-tackle play. But he's so detail-oriented that he makes it look like something totally different when really it's something really basic. And, yeah. you know, Judge preaches details, but I think the problem with Jason Garrett is just no eye for detail in terms of setting these plays up or designing them. It's just – you know, vanilla. Yeah. No, and it's like, look, we found, like, Devontae Freeman's been surprising. He's been a nice surprise. He's, like, looks a little, got some, you know, uh, spark. But it's almost like he wants to, what, are we going to build the whole team around Devontae Freeman? You know what I mean? That, is that our identity? Is, like, inside handoffs to Devontae Freeman? You know, no way. Right. We're not built for that. He's not, he's not capable of that. It just, you're like, what is this? Right. What is this? And I just... You know, you you said it. This is like Groundhog's Day, or whatever. But again, it Jason Garrett has just made it impossible to evaluate anybody 
We can't right. we can't properly evaluate Judge. We can't properly evaluate Jones. We can't we just can't properly evaluate the offensive line. You can't properly right. evaluate Evan Ingram. Yeah. Like, yeah. Right. I right. By, we have to make decisions on all of these people imminently. Right. <laughs> right. By the end of this uh, season, you might behind me you might just see like a cork board with all kinds of like strings go like with jason garrett at the center yeah because i still just how did that happen i would just say all the questions about the giants future and where we're headed can be answered if we could just know precisely how it's it's not joe judge did not go into his interview and say you know i've studied the cowboys offense i really like what i see jason garrett we need like that didn't happen like until right 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 Right, that's the guy. I've looked, I've surveyed the NFL landscape, and I want Jason Garrett to be my offensive coordinator. <laughs> oh God, no! You know, I I tweeted this out the other day. Like someone, the NFL tweeted that play. Do you remember that play a couple of years ago where the Chiefs? It was like a hail mary before the end of a first half, and they threw it to Tyreek Hill, and it was like the most ingenious hail mary you've ever seen, where he catches it about the twenty yard line. And then suddenly he's got a wall of blockers. And it was against yeah, the Cowboys. Yeah, yeah, And they, they took the lead going into the half. It was the most unbelievable play you've ever seen. And, like, the Giants watched that play and decided they would rather be the team, <laughs> go with the, rather be more like the team on the receiving end of it. You know, <laughs> not the team that, they had a chance to be more like the team right. that thought up that unbelievable play. And they wanted to be like the guy who was, like, looked totally perplexed by the whole thing right the guy who's was was probably on the losing end of it couldn't believe that was even allowed was right. like, just, <laughs> I was like what? that a play no you have to throw it all the way to the end zone right That's the only thing you're allowed to do i know oh god this team is so unwatchable i can't it's so it's so unwatchable but like when that game was over my daughter was like daddy like they won aren't you happy and it's just like no right i just I hated everyone hated the whole experience this is terrible. Which like, is great no. because you've talked on this podcast for weeks about how your children don't know what it's like to see you happy watching football because right. they don't score. We don't win. Now, two weeks ago, we scored a bunch of touchdowns, still unhappy. And then this week, right. we won, still That's the miracle of the Giants, of the 2020 right. Giants. Right. Nothing. There's no, there's, yeah, there's no solace. It's just, just nothing. Um, I don't know. I mean, I don't know what to even talk about. Like, I guess should we well, talk about Andrew Thomas and this whole, like... Yes, but just re- right, just before we get to that, because you just touched on, you know, the Chiefs and us, you know, obviously you were alluding to us taking uh, Joe Judge and then having Garrett as our offensive coordinator over Eric Bieniemy, who's just clearly a brilliant play caller, offensive mind, what have you. Yeah. Is it? Is there? Is there a strong possibility that next year we could be watching Trevor Lawrence and Eric Bieniemy in MetLife Stadium playing for the New York Jets and coaching the New York Jets? Yes, I do. I think there's a there's a very strong possibility that that happens. Yeah. If that ha- I, I can't make any promises about what I'll do. I don't right. know what I will do if that's the reality. <laughs> right. That is true. Well, we're stuck with Jason Garrett and Daniel Jones <laughs> in just a slog. <laughs> right. Going 5-11 and 11 and trying to convince ourselves that it was somehow, it's a positive 5-11. and 11. <laughs> Right. Running Saquon Barkley, coming off an injury, right into Nick Gates' rear end the whole right. game. He looks, he'll look terrible. Yeah. Yeah. And then Jason, right. and then, no, right. And then Eric Bieniemy and Trevor Lawrence will be in the same time. That's unacceptable. Like, that would be something. We can't yeah. allow that. You, you know, look, I mean, if that, I'm a Jets fan, right? That's That should be what, like... Yeah. 
I'm hoping for. Uh, I mean, absolutely. So, but I guess maybe if, if you don't mind too, before we get to Andrew Thomas, if we talk about what our off season should or could look like, because um, we were texting probably Sunday night and uh, you said something extremely hurtful to me, Brian. Um, <laughs> Cause two years ago, you hurt my feelings when I was texting you about the draft and you said to me, and this is again, this was before the draft even happened. The 2019 draft. You said, I got news for you. They've taken this Daniel Jones kid. I was just like, no, they're not. Come on. And you were like, no, that's what they're doing. And I remember where I was during this conversation. I was going, I was getting increasingly angry at you, even though you clearly were trying to antagonize me. I was just getting so upset with you. And then, then, then last night, or Sunday night, we were talking about, you know, the Giants moving forward. And here's how I see it, is that, you know, because again, and I agree with you, you said it at the top of the show, I hate to be one of those guys, I don't want to be the kind of fan that's rooting for us to tank, that is watching a close game like that and is rooting against my own team. But, you know, I think one of the cases that you have to make for for going for Trevor Lawrence is like, what are we going to do? Because you would think that after this year, we have to fire Garrett, which is going to put Daniel Jones in the final year or no, his third year of his contract with his third offensive coordinator. Ideally too, we're going to get rid of Gettleman and we're going to have to hire a new GM. And, and, you know, I think that the organization likes Joe judge enough that why that really limits our pool of candidates for GM. If they have to just accept a ready-made coach and quarterback situation while having potentially a top five pick. So it's almost like we have to be ready to move on from Jones in order to hire a good GM. And I kind of laid this case out for you and you responded with me. You responded to me with, I got news for you. I don't think they're firing Gettleman. (laughs) And I became so angry at you, Brian. I don't think they are. I really, I mean, I think barring like a two and 14, you know, total catastrophe, which look is on the table. Um, I don't think they're going to. I don't. I think they really loathe are loathe to fire GMs. I think, I think the way the Giants view it is that they collectively tried to to when Gettleman came on, they tried to fix things for one last Eli run. Realized midstream they couldn't do it, so they pivoted to a total rebuild and decided that Shermer was. I think they thought Shermer could fix Eli. And then I thought they think they thought that Shermer wasn't the guy they wanted to go forward with if they were going to a rebuild. So they hired Judge. Yeah. And I think that resets the clock on Gettleman. So I think they really are looking at like progress of any kind, identify some players. And then I think they like Daniel Jones a lot. I, th- I would really not overestimate or there's no way to overestimate, I think, how much the Giants like Daniel Jones, whether you like him or I like him or the fans like him or media likes him or around the league. I, I guarantee you they really like him. Yeah. You're a, I mean, you're 100% right about that. But it's also just – I mean, I don't. who knows how the end is going to play out here. But just imagine looking at this team. You're John Mara, and you're looking at this team, and you don't already see it as a total catastrophe. Yeah. Like, we have a debate coming up on Thursday night, and it's like, who are these undecided voters? Who's yeah. looking at Trump? And it's just like, yeah, I just don't know yet. I, I, you know. I know. I haven't made up my mind. Right. I need a few more hundred thousand dead before I can really <laughs> decide if he's if he's shaky or not. Right. I heard Biden, he had a gaffe the other day. And so it's pretty, he said something a little slippery. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. No, you're right. Um, you know, I will say to your, like, point about um, – 
like I totally agree with you that if they let's say they bottomed out, they're they're they have the number one pick in the draft or t- the number two pick in the draft, and you're higher, they do just they're you have to get rid of Gettleman, you fire him. Like they absolutely would have to whoever that GM is. I think they would. I don't know if they would be smart enough to do this, but you would have to say to that person, "Look, you can take whoever you want with that. If you want to take a quarterback, you can take a quarterback." Yeah. Um, they probably would say to them, "We'd really like to keep Judge." Like, and I don't think they would have that much trouble getting a good candidate with Judge. I, I think. I agree. My I, my sense is he's respected. I think, and and I, you know, the Giants for all their flaws and like. I think they're still they would be a really attractive GM job because they give their GMs a lot of power and they're probably very easy to work with. I think they have a good rep in that like community. Um, so assuming they did say, yeah, you can take look if you don't if Daniel Jones isn't for you, you can move on from him. Like I I I have a lot of doubt that they could identify the right candidate, but I don't think they would get spurned by by candidates. I really don't. Okay. Well, I mean, that's comforting, at least. Um, They're still the Giants. You know, come on. People want to want you. Do you want to be the GM of the Giants? Well, I mean, I do, certainly. <laughs> right. <laughs> Lots of people do. But, yeah. Yeah. Look, Joe Douglas, right? He took the Jets job, for God's sakes. And, I mean, he had a, you know, he had a big reputation. He probably he could have probably waited on another job. That's true. I my, You know, I... I would be shocked if if Thomas Dimitrov wasn't a finalist. I'm going to throw that out there now. I haven't read that anywhere, but I'm that's my I I feel like I I saw that when he got fired cuz he's a he's a, from the Patriots. He never crossed paths with Judge, but he's from that family that, you know. I could see that. Yeah. I think it would be probably somebody we've heard of before would Absolutely. be my guess. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but I but back to the point, I don't I think I think Dave Gettleman I think he's here to stay, Scott Ishii. Ryan, just for... <laughs> no. He's gonna be making. He's gonna be making the picks, oh making the moves. <laughs> just God, what if what if we're sitting here in 2021 doing the same thing, and Gettleman's still the GM, Garrett's still the offensive coordinator, and Donald Trump yeah. is still the president? What? I I think the, all those things are on the table. Very much on the table. Very possible. That's everything. And and maybe we're still in our homes wearing masks on the toilet because we can't. And <laughs> it's too dangerous. And this is why more of us need to be like Jimmy Butler, Brian, because we right. need to just be like, this is unacceptable. You right. stink. You no, stink. You're right. Right. Oh, that's true. My yeah. God. Dude, confrontation is important. I agree. Oh goodness! All right, well, let's talk about let's now that we've now that we've realized that Dave Gettleman is here to stay. Let's talk about his number four draft, number four overall draft pick from this year, the first pick of the draft. Andrew Thomas did not start the game because he was late for a meeting. Right, that's a real thing that happened. Andrew right. Thomas was late. He's a professional football player, and he was late for a meeting, and he didn't start the game. Right, I know. God Almighty. Just put him in the game. All right? This is the professional ranks, for God's sakes. Okay? Like, I don't know. Do you believe them? Do you think that's the only reason why? Um, I do. I do think so. I, I mean, I think they... I think they're being... <laughs> I think it's the weirdest thing I've ever seen a team do, but I think they're being genuine that they want to get this guy pert in games. Um, and it's very weird to do it. It's like... 
and I and I wouldn't be surprised if it has something to do with like they did it to Cam Fleming last time, so it was sort of like Andrew Thomas's turn to like take a series off because you know it wasn't just the first series he then. Um, yeah, no, it was like on and off can't. the whole game. Yeah, yeah. So I don't know what to make of it. I guess you could look at the positive. He sounds like he played pretty well. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Scott, we found not one. Dave Edelman found not one, but two franchise tackles in one draft. And you want him fired? <laughs> oh, my God. I mean, you know, I it, here's what really worried me about it is, you know, you're just you would just think that if all it was was Andrew Thomas was late to a meeting and then they punished him for that first series or that first quarter or whatever the duration of his punishment was supposed to be, and we're in a game that's as tight as that game and it's winnable, you would think he wouldn't come back out if they thought he was good. You know? Like, yeah. it's like is if you if you actually want to win that game, and, and, you know, we don't have a ton of winnable games on the schedule – wouldn't you be like, well, we have to have our best out there for the whole time to give ourselves a shot. So, yeah. you know, I mean, even if that says something positive about Pert and wonderful, great. I hope he's good, but <laughs> right. that's still very troubling about Andrew Thomas. It is. The most troubling thing about Thomas is like the whole selling point was he's not the, be- the best athlete in the draft and he, but he's the most like ready-made. He was right. like his technique. He's, he started for four years or whatever it was against SEC competition. Like this is a guy you could just plug in and that has it. So he's not going to necessarily get better. That's like, he's not like, like Pert is this mammoth athlete. Yeah. who Maybe has this huge upside. Um, so yeah, it's troubling. You know, you used your cheeseburger analogy. I would like to go back to my steakhouse analogy with Andrew Thomas, because I still think that holds very true. Which is, you know, like a steakhouse meal is also very reliable, but it's expensive. And, you know, you really have to prioritize it. But, and, you know, it's not the flashiest dinner. You could maybe try a new type of hip restaurant, something that you read about in a funky magazine. Some fusion. But you're like, no, I'm going steakhouse because I, I know what I want. I want a good steak. I want a hash brown, whatever it is. And when that, and it, but it's going to cost you. You know, yeah. you're going to pay like $100. Those meals are super expensive. When that doesn't deliver, it's it's just so infuriating. Because oh, you put down some serious coin. Devastating. It's devastating. Yeah. <laughs> when you have a bad steakhouse meal, it does. You're just like, I can't even believe it. Because you're so excited walking in there. You know, you're like, you thought, oh, man, you're going to have beautiful wine. You're going to have one of those waiters that's like puts the napkin on your lap. You know, you're just picturing the steak sizzling. The, maybe you're going to get a wedge salad. You're probably, you're talking 3,000 calories. You're just going for it. Yeah. When that doesn't deliver, it, and that's to me, what that's the experience that I'm having right now, where I was like, this guy is coming out New York strip. He's just 15 years. Right. The blind <laughs> like, side taken care yeah, of. Yeah. Then his jersey's going to be hanging in the rafters. And not only has it not been that, I mean, he's been terrible. Like, Right, awful. He's been really <laughs> No. And everybody's just like, well, you know, it's growing. It's like, God, I don't know. He's supposed to be good already. Like, we really wasn't supposed to go down like this. No, and I love your analogy. And, and just I'll bring it back to a cheeseburger for just a second here because we are tomorrow night. Uh, we're hopefully going to see one another in person. Right, in and, the flesh. And we're going to go meet our friend Ed who currently lives in Chicago. And years ago, I don't know if you remember this, but years ago, you, me, and Ed 
went to just a place to eat. It was it wasn't a steakhouse, but Ed and I ordered cheeseburgers, and I of course got mine medium rare, and Ed got his well done. And then the waitress pulled the old switcheroo when she came right. to the table, and I took a bite of Ed's burger. And I was like, oh, I have your burger. But Ed had really never had medium rare meat before. And he's right. eating it. And he was like, no, this is much better. I'm not switching back with you. Right. And I was furious. Right. I remember this. Yeah. It was Coach's. It was Jim Calhoun's place yes! in Stanford. Yes. Yeah. And I think I looked at him and I was like, this is crap to me. This <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> <Like, laughs> is unedible. Like, terrible. <laughs> And I again, I thought I was getting a cheeseburger, and I saw right. a medium rare cheeseburger. It was right across the table from me. Right, so close, so tantalizingly close. Yeah, yeah. So, well, you know, I'm sure these, I'm sure these guys would love hearing this segment. Be like, so they've no, <laughs> we're already treated like pieces of meat. Yeah. Now, quite literally, we're getting treated like a piece of meat. Yeah, yeah. Well, what can you do? What can you do? I've just had it with the Giants. I I hate the Giants. Like, I hate them so much. It's so torturous. But, and we get to see them in, what, two days? Two days, yeah. I want to get get your thoughts on uh, Joe Judge's fourth down performance this week, right after I do us uh, a little ad read here. You're listening to Radio Free Brooklyn, independent, listener-supported radio. All right, so Brian, how did uh, how do you how do you judge Joe Judge on his fourth down play calls? I think he's too conservative. Like this is a terrible team. We should be going for it on fourth down a lot. Um, yeah. I think what was it? We were it was a fourth and two from like the thirty eight. Yep. And we got a punt that I think netted eighteen yards of field position. Yeah. I, I just don't see any point of that. Um, I thought we kicked a field goal, you know, when uh, Daniel Jones had a nice third down play, which you know, this is kind of another classic. They ran a nice play on third down that would have been a great play on second down to set up third <laughs> third and short. Um, instead, they ran it on third down and then kicked a field goal, <laughs> um, which I didn't like. So I didn't like it. And I know, you know, then he was asked about it um, today and – or yesterday, I think, and I didn't love his answer. And actually, you know, I, I know, I think you did like the answer. And when I reread it, I, I feel like I was, my interpretation of it was being a little ungenerous to what he actually said. But he was sort of asked if he gets, you know, if people are telling him win probabilities and these kind of things when he was when he goes for it on fourth down. I just got the sense that he doesn't, that he's not actually getting that information. He uh-huh. sort of hand waved that he takes it into consideration. But I, I personally think he's just thinking about it during the course of the game. And I totally take his point to, like, you have to – I do think you have to, like, what's the flow of the game? How's this game going? How's my defense playing? All of that goes into it. I don't think it's, like, give me the number and that's what I do. But you do – I would – I just, like, why not – there should be – they should – he should have been able to identify the human being who is doing that. There should always be someone who's like, hey, if you go for it here, you increase our – win probability by 13%. Like take, take that without what you will. I'm not saying you have that's set in stone, but like, you should know that you should. Yeah. Um, and I don't think it always means that that's the answer. If it's like 7%, you might go, you know what? I don't agree. That's totally fine, but you should always know that information. And I just don't get the sense that, that he's, um, and maybe I'm being unfair. Maybe he's like, no, I, there's literally a guy <laughs> doing that, but I felt like he was, he, he understood where the question was coming from, and he was trying to be like, no, I acknowledge that stuff is legit, but 
not, you know, ultimately I just go with what I think. I don't know. Yeah. Did you hear the audio of it or you just read it? I just read it. Okay. Me too. I didn't, I haven't heard the audio of it either, but, um, I didn't mind the answer just because I, I guess if you don't believe that he is considering it, then it's like a BS answer. I think that if you're, you know, take him at his word. Like, I think we're probably going to talk about it actually in a little bit, but the, the Houston Tennessee game, like that's where I think things like that go awry that they had on that, like on the, on Houston's final drive that put them up seven, you know, they're on the goal. They're on the one yard line. Uh, second down, they run it, get stuff. Third down, they run it, get stuff. Fourth down, they do a short pass over the middle. It's a miracle that it gets completed it's just like in that flow of things, you had that much trouble getting it into the end zone from the one yard line. And now you're up seven. You just kicked the extra point. You're up eight. Now you're putting that on Tennessee to have to go for two. Although I guess they have Derrick Henry. But I, I think my point is, is that they wanted to go up nine to put the game away right there. And I guess that's mathematically correct to do. But if you have three tries from the one yard line and your two runs are just absolute embarrassing jokes, you know, there's something to the flow where you're going to want to ignore the numbers guy. But, you know, ultimately... Yeah, no, I agree with that. And I think, although I think in that Texans example, like, I'm pretty sure the math actually did say to kick the extra point, and he was kind of going against... It was actually, like, against oh, yeah. it. Um, but I, to me, I get kind of get where he's coming from. He's like, I, would I rather Deshaun Watson try to win this game right now or, like, trust my defense, you know, yeah. against Derrick Henry, Ryan Tannehill? Um, so I didn't mind that one. What would you think of Riverboat Ron going for two to win? I liked it. I yeah. thought that was, you know, I mean, like, you know, it was funny. I was actually hoping that they were going to get it because if they got it, either we lose yeah. or Daniel Jones takes us down the field and we kick a field goal to win, which I, to me is like, I need to see yep. once. Um, Cause I really want to like Daniel Jones. I really do. And I, I, I know we're, there's a lot of people ready to like, I've, I've taken him in, into my bosom and <laughs> into my ample bosom. And I've, I've, he's not in my heart, but I'm holding him ever so closely towards it. I really wish to love Daniel Jones and I'm so close. So I was hoping that like either we lose and we're still on track for like the being the worst team ever, or we win. And Daniel Jones has like his first decent moment as a giants quarterback. And we got neither because right. he didn't make it. <laughs> <laughs> Once again, Kyle Allen roots his ugly head. Just a bum. <laughs> yeah, just a bum. All right. Well, you know, we came into this like right before we started recording. I was like, I don't even know. I got nothing. I don't know how. And we just did forty minutes almost on the Giants. So, right. <laughs> kudos to us. Kudos. Oh boy. Well done. Uh, the Eagles. What What can well, we let's, expect? Let's preface this by saying. Uh, you know, we'll, we're recording this, as people know, on Tuesdays. You'll be listening to it on Thursday morning. And then again, you might be listening to it on the weekend, at which point the Giants will have probably humiliated themselves on national television again. <laughs> yeah, that's um, right. I don't know. I think the Eagles stink. They have no t weapons. But Carson Wentz seems to have kind of found himself a little bit. Um, and they'll probably beat us, right? Yeah, probably. I don't know. This Baltimore game was kind of deceiving because I, I had it on my iPad and uh, it was, you know, I think I think Baltimore went up 17 nothing and they just kind of went to sleep. They were just like, OK, cool. Um, yeah. A lot of penalties and, you know, 
Well, I, it just feels like Wentz has, has righted himself a little bit where he's making some plays, but they just they do have no weapons. It's yeah. like a joke. So many injuries. Um, so it'll be interesting to see. I mean, it's another game where it's like, if we if we can't beat these guys, then like the hell with it. Right. Um, but yeah, again, another one. I don't know what to do. We get excited about this. I'd like to win, and then maybe you know, I just like don't even know. Does this NFC East thing like? I don't know if I want to get sucked into it, you know, like I don't, I, t- I do not want to get sucked in. Yeah. 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 But at least it's better than nothing. I guess it's sort of like all of sports right now. It's like the whole bubble. Yeah. Like it's better than nothing. I guess it's something to be interested in. Like, um, it's not real and it's maybe even counterproductive, but <laughs> it's something. When are we going to have packed stadiums again? I don't know. I miss fans. I'm I'm starting to wear on me. Don't you feel that? Yeah. Yeah. It's just this reminder. Like, baseball is hard to watch. Like, it's just, like, such a reminder of everything that's, like, terrible. And it's just no juice. And, and you're missing it. You're just starting to feel it. You're like, God, man, it's so much more fun when there's people going crazy. And, you know, like, the football has been pretty good. I think they've done a good job. Um, you can kind of still watch these NFL games, and they're fun. But... I'm, I'm missing fans for sure. Yeah, definitely. It's also going to be funny. You know, you talk about baseball. What's going to happen if Clayton Kershaw has an amazing World Series with no fans in attendance? Like, what's that going to do with his yeah. legacy? Right. That's kind of appropriate. Yeah. Fitting for his sad legacy. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, let's do it since you brought it up. That's one of my hottest takes. Um, Clayton Kershaw. Like, Clayton Kershaw's postseason struggles, I think, are a thing. I think it's a fair, it's a thing. Yeah. Well, but how many? He, again, and it just kind of goes back to like greatest of all time conversations where like he's in that group. He's in that conversation of like best pitcher ever. And he's been bad in the postseason. And it's not like a small sample anymore. He's had a full season of starts in the postseason and he has like a 4.2 ERA. Yeah. Clayton Kershaw had a 4.2 ERA in any season. People would be like, what happened? What is wrong with Clayton Kershaw? Is he hurt? Is he like, you know, like, it's it's bad. It's a thing. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, no question about it. And he's had some great starts. It's not like he can't do it. But, you know, when you're evaluating him, I just don't – it's not unre- – like, I hate when people – you know, you get the crazies that go too far with it where it's like, he's – you know, he's – I'd rather have Andy Pettit. It's like, don't be an idiot. <laughs> right. Like, but – it's also totally fair, I think, to be like, it's a thing. Yeah. Well, and it's also, that's that's an interesting point, too, because, like, what's crazy is, like, the can't people, right? Like, they're crazy. Like, he right. can't do it. Like, no, yeah, he yeah. absolutely can, and he doesn't. And that's the issue, you know? Right, right. And with him, too, he has, I mean, he has, he's a pitcher in baseball. He has total control over what he's doing. He controls himself. Like, you talk about other athletes in other sports who haven't gotten it done, you know, uh, like whatever, they, you know, starting to be conversations about James Harden and things like that. But there's so much other, so many other things happening with baseball. If you're the pitcher and you're just not getting it done, it's really, it's not anyone else. It's you. Right, right. Yeah, I mean, I guess if the only thing you could say is his managers haven't always helped him out. Like he's been, they kind of, I think because they have so much faith in him, they'll like keep him in there an unreasonable, you know, when it's like really time to get him out. But they're, but in fairness to them, they're like, he's Clayton Kershaw. Like get yeah. these guys out. Gets everybody out. <laughs> right. Get these guys out. Eat up some innings. I don't know. What do you think? Who do you think is going to win the World Series? 
I don't know. I mean, I I would have to. You know, I don't know. I'd like. I think I pick the Dodgers. I think they're more talented, but you know, the Rays have this sort of whatever hyper efficiency thing going on that um, they're playing the modern game. They strike out a lot, hit a lot of home runs, great bullpen. Yeah. Uh, I can't name. I can barely name any of their players. <laughs> And they're ruining the sport, but good for them. Uh, <laughs> hopefully they win, I guess. Right. And it'll be a testament to the, the uh, executives, because that's who we're all rooting for, our uh, yeah. general managers and the, the who can most efficiently deliver a roster. You know, that's what I look for when I turn on my sports is <laughs> <laughs> who has managed, efficiently managed roster construction to its maximum <laughs> i don't know i hate being one of those people but baseball i do think has crossed a line into like something <laughs> so what do you see for steve cohen now that that's that seems to be that clear a big hurdle today i believe he did yeah i'm kind of getting excited about steve cohen just because it sounds like he's got a ton of money i mean this is a guy who like paid a billion dollar fine and was just like fine with it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, look, I, I would love. I, I think that's what you want. You kind of want a supervillain running your sports team, right? That's nothing wrong with that. And I'm talking about a supervillain, not James Dolan, obviously. You know, not like Woody Johnson or whatever, but like a real supervillain. Like he has the chance to be Lex Luthor running your team. Right. Like I would love Lex <laughs> Luthor to run my team. Right, you know? right. He'd be a great baseball owner. Yeah. Yeah. Also, baseball, you know, you don't have the constraints you have in the other sports where, you know, you can kind of the money gets results. You know what I mean? Like if you're willing to spend, you can kind of you can create a floor for yourself um, that you can't do in the other sports. So, yeah, I mean, I'm getting, you know, I'm, I'm interested to see what he does if he, you know, if he tries to kind of announce himself with like a huge off season to be like this, this is different. Um but we'll see. Like, it's weird, you know, that he's supposedly going to be hiring Sandy Alderson. There's talk that maybe Brody Van Wagenen might be back, too. Um, so we'll see what happens there. But, yeah, you know, whatever. But it sure would be fun to have the Mets spending like sailors for a couple of years. You're listening to Giants Among Men on Radio Free Brooklyn. Thanks for listening to Radio Free Brooklyn. Your support keeps us going. If you'd like to listen to Radio Free Brooklyn and you're not in front of your computer, please consider downloading our free mobile app for iPhone and Android, available in the App Store for iPhone or the Google Play Store for Android. I don't think I've ever felt more, like, uh, hopefully, like, cautiously optimistic and total dread about the Knicks. I mean, I guess that's always the kind of state of the Knicks. But, like, (laughs) this, where you have some things that seem positive that you're, but also, like, or are they going to do something totally dumb? Like... There's a world to me where they trade for Russell Westbrook and I'm okay with it. It doesn't include RJ Barrett and like all their first round picks, but you know, like I could imagine a trade where they do that and then they keep Mitch and Barrett and then Tom Thibodeau does a pretty good job and like they're fun, you know. I I could see that. Yeah. I would I think Westbrook's sort of my least favorite option of the guys whose names are getting uh branded yeah, about. Sure. Um but like I agree, I don't. I'm not terribly even worried about making sure we get somebody young or, or whatever. Like I, I you know, I I would love at this point just to have anybody interesting on the team. Um, what 
like what order would you put in terms of i mean i this is a hard game to play too because obviously we're gonna have to other than fred van vliet we would have to get rid of some guys um to to get these guys so i guess let's keep van vliet separate so rank oladipo uh chris paul and uh westbrook and are we putting chris paul carmelo anthony as a package deal or are we just going to keep carmelo out of it too keep carmelo out. i mean i hope they don't sign Melo unless they have like a decent team i just don't want to see Melo come in here with a bunch of expectations based off like he played pretty well last year right. i don't know like wouldn't be the end of the world i mean to me like paul would be fine that would be fun you know like he's only got two years left on his deal if you don't have to give up a ton to get him, like it all depends on what, what you give up. Yeah. But I'm not like one of these guys who's like, we have to keep nothing but young players and assets and draft picks. Like, I think that's fine. If they go that route too, that's totally fine. But I don't know. That's not the end of the world. If they get a really good player in here. So for me, I would say Paul, number one, Westbrook to me, number two, though, it's like a big drop off. Um, because he has three years left on his contract, so that's yeah. a little bit more of an issue, and 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 the and the drop off for him could be steep once he falls apart. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. and I don't I don't really want to even to me I wouldn't touch Oladipo. I, I don't know. I, really? I guess I guess I see it. Um, you know he's never been a guy. He's more of a complimentary player anyway. He's coming off big injuries. Like he was already a little, you know, like he didn't look good last year. Like now he's hurt again. I don't know. I don't know. It's, again, it depends, I guess, what you have to give up. But I I agree that the the injuries are probably the scariest part of him. I wouldn't mind, you know, especially because he's not an overwhelming star, but still good enough, good attitude, you know, great teammate. Get him in right. here. He's got a great skill set. Let RJ and Mitch develop with him. Like. You know, then it's not so strange or awkward if RJ kind of overtakes him as the as the top dog on the team. Um, I wouldn't be I wouldn't have a problem with that, but yeah, I guess you're right. That's two major injuries. You're going to worry that his effectiveness to really give up anything for that is going to be tough. Right. I guess he's still young. I mean, it wouldn't be I wouldn't be like this is awful, but I wouldn't be that excited about it either. I don't know. Would you rather us trade assets away to get Chris Paul or? Uh, sign Fred Van Vliet to a big contract. I think I'd rather do the Paul thing. Yeah, me too. I don't really, you know, even Fred Van the more I think about Van Vliet, like, I get it, but I, I don't know. I just don't think he's going to move the needle enough, and then you're kind of stuck with him. Um, Probably I, for a while. You're going to have to give him a big contract. Like, I would almost pass on that. No, I, I agree with you. I it's hard. Like it, it is really hard. And I don't know, uh, maybe just, I don't know how to ever decipher this sort of thing with basketball, but I just feel like I'm not saying Fred Van Vliet is a product of his system necessarily, but I think that he is a great complimentary piece with a lot of guys around him that compliment him very well. But if you bring him here, it like, you know, it's hard to imagine it being as disastrous as Julius Randall was, but suddenly you're the guy now. You know, yeah. and that's a totally different role for him with different expectations and teammates that aren't as good. And there's no guarantee that that's going to work out well if you're paying a guy well over $20 million for probably four or five years. Yeah, no, I hear you. I mean, he's definitely looks one of those guys. He's like a Derek Fisher. He looks a lot better on a good yeah. team than a bad team. And maybe he's better than Derek Fisher. I'm sure he is, actually. But um, it's a little bit in that mold. And we don't need Derek Fisher. 
Right. Yeah. Right. In fact, As a we player already or had a coach. Him. We already had him. <laughs> and he ended up getting punched by Matt Barnes for sleeping right. with his wife or something. Right. So. <laughs> well, Brian. Yeah. It's Tuesday now. By the time our fans are listening to us, what will have happened? Last, so last week, I've been asking you this now for two weeks. Uh, last week, when I asked you this question, we didn't think, you know, you, you really, you were kind of like, you know, who knows? Like, I don't really, nothing's really going on. There's no debates. There's no this. And then we had the, the dueling uh, town halls where uh, Trump uh, called QAnon a anti-pedophilia movement more than anything else. <laughs> so, <laughs> I mean, among other things to, to happen in that time, uh, what's going to happen this week? I don't know. Could be a crazy week. Um, you know, I think the Giants will probably have lost. Um, and I don't know if we'll get, you know, we've gotten enough news this week already. Um, yeah. You know, we've seen uh, a famous writer's penis in a Zoom chat, apparently. <laughs> oh, we haven't seen it, but we've heard about it. So I don't know if we could top that as the week goes on. That's true. Um, I hope so. I hope we see. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Could this be one of those things like like kind of at the start of Me Too where once the dam broke, then all all these other things came about? Yeah. So today it was Jeffrey Tubin's penis. You know, now (laughs) there could be other stories about like, you know, you know who else's penis made its appearance in a Zoom call the last couple of months is. Yeah. The penises are going to come out. I'm rushing (laughs) It does seem kind of amazing that it took this long. Right. And then the, but the person, it's just so funny. Like, I don't know. If you were like, there's going to be a prominent penis. <laughs> I wouldn't, I wouldn't have guessed him, but right. then it also was like, yeah, okay. That's like, that seems kind of perfect. You know, like that, the, the law, I would never have guessed him. So I'm not suggesting. Uh, right. That I, I was like, going to ha- say, are we being but, generous? Is, does Jeffrey Tubin count as a prominent penis? Right. <laughs> If you follow the news, he's on CNN quite a bit, you know. Um, So, you know, he's uh, he's written a lot of, uh, you know, I don't know if he's a lot of very best-selling books. I don't know if you saw OJ took a shot at him because. No, he did. (laughs) Of course he did. What are you saying? Been waiting, yes, you know, he was just like, oh yeah, so okay, Tubin, like he just <laughs> like, he's been anxiously waiting for this comeuppance. Right, right. it's comeuppance, right? You, <laughs> I feel like I've been surprised the amount of people seemingly. I don't consider myself a Puritan by any stretch, but there's a, a decent amount of like, well, hey, it can happen to anybody, <laughs> and I feel like I, my first reaction was like. It's got to be an innocent explanation. Like, I, you know, I felt that was my instant. <laughs> he was trying, you know, whatever. He was yeah. taking a shower or you know, something and he didn't think he was on or he was quickly getting dressed and he was trying uh, something. And then it's like, no, he was he was literally masturbating. Right, yeah. He was doing the worst possible thing he could have been doing. Right. It also, right, it wasn't accidental nudity. It was no. an act, a sex it act. It was during a work call, like, yeah. and for the New Yorker, you know, like, right. uh, it's a seemingly pre- fairly prestigious organization. You're a 60-year-old man, yeah. a-, a professional of some kind. I mean, I'm like, again, I, like, normally err on the side of, like, hey, we're all human beings here, flesh and blood. We have our urges and whatnot. But, like, you can't 
you can't be masturbating during work meetings. <laughs> that feel like I I am fine with that. If like that's a line that gets drawn and everybody draws it, and everyone's like, if you right. masturbate and expose yourself on camera to your coworkers, right. that's a fireable offense. If that's for laying down that marker, like, okay, I'll pay it. Seems reasonable to me. Like, and I, I hate firing people. Look, everybody, we're feeding our families. This is like you're you know firing people shouldn't be done willy willy nilly. Right use an unfortunate pun but <laughs> i like what what yeah right <laughs> right <laughs> yeah i guess you're right like i just felt i don't know something struck me this morning i saw on twitter like you know he has a daughter and i was just like oh just brutal like all I, of twitter is about it i just felt i felt bad for the daughter really because right like, right i do too terrible yeah. Yeah. Just like imagine I mean just I just can't even like no. you have to be like honey going to your wife. Oh god. Honey. I, <laughs> something bad has happened. <laughs> right. I mean in his defense he was in like a model UN which must have been right. brutal, you know. I know. That was the other thing. I was like the only thing weirder than him masturbating right. was what they were doing what on the call. Like, what are you doing? What? <sighs> and like somebody was like the establishment Republicans they were gaming out like the election. Yeah. Weird. I don't know. I don't. Yeah. This week, actually, uh, my wife was doing Nicole was doing in our bedroom. She was doing a Pilates class virtually, like on the computer or whatever. And sometimes she does them live, and sometimes they're just pre-recorded ones that she accesses with the password or whatever. And that you know, she just takes a class she's already taken before. So I, I don't know. I I, I thought it was a, a recorded call, and she's doing it in our bedroom, and I just gotten out of the shower. I'm walking around our bedroom stark naked. And I hear the Pilates instructor go, okay, very good, Nicole. Now raise up your right hip. And I just <laughs> dropped to the floor. And I'm like, how did you not tell me it's a live class? And she's like, no, it's a recorded one. I just must have, like, said my name in the, oh my in the class. And yeah. I had a moment of just total panic right there. All right. I think that's a good note to end it on, Brian. All right. Before we go, I think we are supposed to plug the uh, the Wall of Lies one more time. Oh. Um so we're doing it again. RFB is pleased to announce the unveiling of its second wall of lies, the groundbreaking visual art project demonstrating the unprecedented lack of honesty from our current commander in chief. The original wall was first displayed in Bushwick, Bushwick, Brooklyn, was vandalized by white supremacists who put the slogans vote Trump and die, which, or, excuse me, vote Trump or die. And it really probably should be vote Trump and die. Right. Let's fix it. Um, anyway, the new wall is going to be twice as long because there's just more lies to go around, and it's starting Saturday, October 24th from 12 to 5. We're going to be unveiling the, the location at, at later date, so keep keep on the lookout at RadioFreeBrooklyn.org wall of lies, slash wall of lies for the actual location so that we can keep uh, you know the Proud Boys and all those crazies off the place. Like we're dealing with white supremacists. Like that's a real th- that's a real like concern now. Like, like what? It's crazy. Okay. Crazy times we live in. Sure is. (laughs) All right, Brian, keep your head on a swivel.